I'll tell you something. I really enjoyed, in our house, we've got lots of children's Bibles. And I've always read and really enjoyed reading children's Bible. But somehow, they seem to concisely bring together the core meaning of a passage or a parable or, or a miracle or, or, or something like that. So you should clearly get the message. And, uh, and, and it's brilliant. So, uh, my big advice is all go and read children's Bibles. They're <laughs> they really are. Anyway, this morning, um, I thought the beginning of the service was so unusually great. I, I know it was kind of. Well, it, it was oddly good. Um, I mean, I don't know what element was missing, but it was alright. Yeah, well. And um, great pianist, great bass, great singing, everything was going off right. Yes, it was, it was good, wasn't it good? Um, but um, I felt that we needed about a thousand to make it go here this morning. And it would have been great, wouldn't it? I can't hear you because I'm deaf. I am not doing anything. Write it down. <laughs> right. Um, I just want to tell you that uh, confession here that I'm, I'm a bit on the lazy side as a person. Anybody else on the lazy side? All the men are putting their hands up. No women doing it. Yes. And uh, I remember years ago when I was kind of in my twenties. And I was nursing, and always happened, an injury, sports injury on my knee. And we're living in the north of England, Sue myself, and not far away from me, younger brother. And um, I decided I'd get into running. And so I decided I'd go for a run. First day of 100 yards, second day of 200 yards, you know, and build it up. And I built it up until eventually I was doing about four miles, something like that. And they turn around and coming home again. So I thought, I'm pretty good at this. Now I've got a younger brother who is very competitive, quite sporty. And so I said to him, why don't you come across and we'll go out for a run together? So I knew him. So I thought, most evenings for a little run, really. And I said, just come out and follow me and we'll, we'll go. Secretly, I'm thinking, I'm going to give him a panic. I'm going to show it hard words because he usually beats me in football, tennis, everything else, younger brother. This time I'm going to show it. So we set off, ran up the hill, along the main road, and kept on going about four miles. Now, this is a friendly road. But brothers and brothers, because somewhere it turned into a race. And we're going to go to a certain filling station, turn around, and come back. Well, we got to the footing station, and I was marginally in front. So I said, it was all right then. So we turn around, and we begin to go back. And as we're going back, I'm beginning to slow down. He's beginning to speed up. And he's getting faster and faster. And with a wicked smile, he turned to me as he went past me, and sneered, sniggered as he accelerated away. So I'm going to take that. So I was desperate that I was going to beat him. Older brother now, kicking him. 
everything kicking in. He was going to go the only way he knew, and that was the way that I showed him, which was the long way around. I knew a shortcut. But the shortcut wasn't as easy as you might imagine. Because it meant running through people's gardens, <laughs> over hedges, through playing fields, up a hill, and then to my back gardens, you know, climb the back gardens. So this is what I did. I peeled off. He hasn't got a mirror, so he can't see behind me. He's running for all his worth, and I'm flying down past the school now, down a hill, then into people's gardens, jumping over the fences, hoping they don't see me. I'm desperate to beat desperate to beat him. And then I go through the playing fields and I'm slip at my garden and get in absolutely, absolutely, totally washed out. And I arrive on the door, I open the door, the sue there, and I say, Beatty. And sat down there in a chair is my younger brother. Could have been out about quarter of an hour. I would open the coffee. Now, there's something in all of us, I'm sure, because when I was younger, my, my nickname, nicknames, don't you? My nickname was Cloggy. And um, why should you call me Cloggy? It's because I used to wear boots for work, and my name's Claude, so Cloggy. And I got Cloggy the Butcher. It's because Claude, in his engineering days, never finished anything. Claude, always found the easy way of doing a task. He kind of was always taking shortcuts to minimize the effort and the concentration and eventually get there, almost. So no job was really finished well, because I'm plugging the butcher. And I think there is something in all of our nature, surely, that if we can get to the end game quickly, the shortest possible way, with the least effort to get to our goal, will our minds are built so they will think of the easy way out, the industrial, or the easy way forward. And we take that, well, I certainly did. But having said that, lazy guy that I was, was always amazed and thrilled and delighted and fascinated by watching craftsmen at work. Carpenters, engineers, people who could make something from nothing, slowly, carefully, deliberately, with great precision, and present something at the end of the exercise, something beautiful. I was amazed, and I was amazed by observing skill and craftsmanship and also reading books like Alex Ferguson, who used to be the manager of uh, thank you, Man United, and how he came from nothing and how he built what he had. I was fascinated by his journey, his story, and his sense of commitment to the task to get better and better and better. Richard Branson read his life story. Andy Murray Tennis player. Why doesn't he quit? He's got millions of pounds now. He was number one briefly. He's had many operations, 
but it will not quit. It keeps having another go and another go. I can't remember his ranking, but it's way down the rankings. It keeps winning a few, but losing many. But he will not give up. David Beckham, world-class footballer in his day, he would stay after practice, long after practice, just practicing beyond the team practice, practicing singly, how to bend the ball, how to pass the ball, how to lift the ball, hour after hour after hour after hour after hour. He's the friend who's died now, his name was Bobby Ball, the comedian. And we used to do some work together. And I was fascinated by, fascinated by the craft. His craft of being funny. Getting people to join in with laughter. And how he became a top-class comedian. Became a top-class comedian through, not success, but failure. And someone said this, failure is one step nearer success. And in the working men's clubs and small venues in the north of England, he spent most of his days seeing his partner doing funny stuff, getting kicked off the stage, getting things thrown at them, people laughing when they shouldn't laugh, laughing at them, not with them, not particularly finding them funny. Year after year, booking after booking, they increased their skill until it became what they became. I'm interested in this word, persistence. Just think about that word, persistence. Never giving up. And I want to talk about persistence this morning and next week, the incredible power of persistence now. This is what the President of the United States of America, the 30th, a guy called Coolidge, this is what he said about persistence. Nothing in this world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more common than unsuccessful men and women with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not, because the world is full of educated derelicts. Absolutely. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. The slogan, press on, has solved and always will solve the problems of the human race. Persistence, the big word against talent, against education, against genius. Persistence is what wins through. The Apostle Paul put it like this, speaking to Timothy, disciple, co-worker. And this is the amplified version of 2 Timothy. Here it is. His advice to Timothy. Preach the word. As an official messenger, be ready when the time is right and even when it is not. Keep your sense of urgency. Whether the opportunity seems favorable, favorable or unfavorable, 
whether convenient or inconvenient, whether welcome or unwelcome, correct those who err in doctrine or behaviour, warn those who sin, exhort and encourage those who are growing towards spiritual maturity with inexhaustible patience and faithful teaching. In other words, be persistent in your ministry, in your life, in everything you do that relates to the kingdom. Be persistent. Be persistent as a man. Be persistent as a person. Be persistent. One of the most persistent people I've ever met is my wife. So persistent that we, we don't speak a lot, we have sign language. This is a sign language and this is how it goes. I'm watching television when all of a sudden a vacuum cleaner will appear from nowhere and just be stood in the middle of the lounge. Just to say anything, doesn't make any apology, no instruction. She just goes up and makes a cup of coffee, gone into the kitchen, and I'm sat there. And that vacuum cleaner will stay there, I know, for two weeks. And if I vacuumed up within one hour, then I'm written off. There's trouble coming. So that's a signal. And she's persisted with this little signal. It's not an agreement, it's just a signal to me get going. Get your lazy self off the couch and start vacuuming. And that's gone on for years. There is another little signal that she sends every now and again. I'll arrive home, everything's fine, and I'll go into the kitchen, and there's a 2.5 litre tin of paint on the work surface, unopened, just there. Now that is an unspoken signal to me that there's a wall that needs painting. Go and paint the wall. See? And she is persistent in this. There's another thing that she's persistent in, and that is being able to kind of get me on side. So we'll be driving somewhere, and she will just say, turn and say, you do the cancel today. I know that, of course. I say. And then nothing else is said. And then maybe a hand will just come and touch my hand as I'm driving for a second, only for a fleeting moment. And then nothing more will be said. And then later, maybe the next day, when I'm feeling that's odd, fancy saying I want something, the stroke of the hand, I might be thinking it's outrage. That is lovely, that is. Then the next day she'll say, do you remember when you were young and you used to go with your brother who was a painting decorator? He said, Do you know now he taught me how to wallpaper? He said, Yes, you have a unique skill. Wasn't he good, your brother? He said, Yes, he was. Wanted by everybody. Brilliant as a craftsman. She said, But he taught you to do that. Do you remember? I do. I said, I remember going to this house and he showed me how to do this. Mm. And that's that. Then another day will pass, and you're thinking about the dirty. Another day will pass, and she will say to me, one way driving, and as she said, I think you look better than handsome today. She says, she says, Jimmy, you get some great ideas. She said, Do you remember that idea you had? 
about what feature wore. At all. What feature wore? You know, you're talking about paper in the feature wall. Did I? Yes. This is what I've seen some paper for the feature wall. And persistently, over the days, she grooms me to paint, vacuum, paper, and I fought for it every time. Persistence, persistence. We have a guy in our next door neighbour, Jules, and he owns a big campsite just where I live. And that campsite was tons of acreage. It's now become a caravan site, camping site, and it's a big business, and it was on television. Last week, the little feature of the programme was on television about it. It's a very successful site. The neighbours were against him when it was just a field, really against him. Letters went into the council. People sent him shocking letters and threats, and, but he persisted. Then the council turned against him, but he persisted. Then the planners turned against him, but he persisted. He even had me going to the council meeting and speaking on his behalf. He persisted. The bank resisted him. He lost money after money after money, but he persisted. He persisted. They said it was on a club play and people will get drowned and you can't have a campsite here. But he persisted and he got the whole of the flood scheme for Central remodeled. They take his field after the flood play. Brilliant. And he's done it over years. I have never met a man as persistent because he wouldn't let this thing go. The Bible says, in Hebrews, let us run the race with endurance. Now this is referring to our Christian life, our Christian service, our Christian walk. Let us run the race with endurance, looking only unto Jesus, who for the joy before him endured the cross of Calvary. So, like your father, Jesus endured for you, you endure as a Christian. Philippians, I'm pressing on toward the good life for the prize on the upward call. Corinthians, therefore, Christians, be steadfast, be immovable, always abundant in the work of the Lord. In James, happy, joyous is the man who remains steadfast. The point is this, be steadfast and be absolutely committed to the task. Enduring is joyful, not mournful. When you're doing it because Christ has asked you to do what you're doing. Even under trials, it says. When things are going wrong for you, when there's stress in your life, when you feel this is not working, when you feel it, I don't want to, I can't be bothered with this anymore. I'm so embracing what's going on in my life right now. No, even at the trial, because that trial belongs to the sovereignty of God. And God will only allow his children the trial so that they are strengthened. Why do we want to be strengthened? So that they can persist and endure. In everything that he has called us to be and do as Christians, it is to persist and endure. Persist and endure joyfully. To love God 
the Bible teaches is to be steadfast. To love God is to remain. To love God is to be immovable. To love God is to be persistent. To love God is to grasp the sight of the promise and the crown. Romans 12. Rejoice in the certainty of hope. Be patient now in tribulation. And be constant in prayer. Let me just read to you this parable. These are the words of Jesus. And it's Luke 18. Then Jesus told the disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge and he neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was also a widow in the town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. And for some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, even though I don't care what people think of me, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And then the Lord said, And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? No. I tell you that he will see that they get justice and they get it quickly. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth and quickly? Here we have an incredible story of persistence. That's what Jesus is referring to it. The bottom line is this in the story. Never, 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 never give up. Never stop praying, never stop hoping, never stop serving, never stop striving, never stop living in expectancy, never stop worshipping. Here's a Jewish woman. Here's a judge. The judge is not Jewish, he's Roman. What's a Jewish woman doing before doing for a Roman judge? Because the Roman judges were notorious for their crooked ways. And the Roman judges hate judging Jewish nation, Jewish people. And for the corrupt Roman judges, they would not judge in your favor unless there was personal gain because they were crooked. In other words, they had to be bribed. That's what it was like in those days. They were known as the judges of punishment. Personal gain just smoothed their palms. They had no regard for the Jewish people. They had no regard or little regard for a woman, a Jewish woman particularly. And here she was, standing before him, not the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council, but before a Roman judge. This is a widow, a symbol of all that's poor, 
all is defenseless, all is disadvantaged, all is marginalized. She had nothing, she had no hope. She was a widow, she'd lost her husband, she had no status in society. She may have been widowed young because people, when we got uh, married in, in, in their teens from uh, 15, 14, even 30. So she may have been a young widow. But she had nothing in normal. The cause belonged to men. This woman should not have been appealing to a judge if a man wasn't present as her advocate. So this poor, bereaved, poverty-stricken, disadvantaged woman had somehow got strength to actually come against the Roman Empire and Jewish law because she had a need. And the need was that she being disadvantaged, maybe the legacy that hadn't come to her, or somebody defrauded her, or suddenly a family had done something wrong to her, but she was greatly disadvantaged because of it. And she didn't have an advocate, no one stood in the place, she didn't have a friend. No one in her family, no brother, no sister, no parent, came out to her sister. And sometimes, this is life. Here she is, a child of Abraham, a child of promise, appealing to a godless system that rules the entire state, asking for them to side with her. It's never going to happen. She's one person, one woman, one Jewish lady, and she's taken on the whole of it. And this sometimes is us in life. Sometimes in life, even as children of promise, Christians of belief, it comes to a point where no one will help us. We talk about fellowship, we're supposed to belong in families, and Christian families and Christian churches, but there are times when no one seems to help us understand us and no one will bring us the justice that we feel we deserve in life. No one to assist, no one to be our advocate, no one to speak on our behalf. And sometimes we just feel that we've become a victim either of our upbringing or society that we're living in or a circumstance. And life circumstances seem to do this to us. And it seems sometimes as everybody else gets the privileges, except me, us. Sometimes I watch location, location, location on television. And I sit back and I watch these young 20-odds coming with a million pounds to buy the house. And I'm thinking, where in the world, in their 20s and early 30s, have they got their spare million pound, or whatever it is, 800,000, 1.5, to buy a luxury house? How is that? What is happening in our world? I mean, I wasn't earning a penny 
most of their lives. Well, how is they, how have they got to that place? What kind of a world? How is it that everybody has got a car that works except me? How is it that everybody can afford to have their social heating renewed or serviced except me? How is it? How is how is it everybody else is advantaged in the world except me? And there's nobody coming to my side regardless of what I think there's going to be nobody there. So she's pleading her case. Here I am, a Christian, pleading my case about wondering why, 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 why. She's asking the same question. Why? She's pleading. Because the only thing that she has in life is this. In it. Persistence. It's the only thing she's got left. Persistence. A wicked church. A society will not listen to her. It's unfair. And she's got persistence. In this story, God is going to say, I am not like that wicked church. In this story, he's saying, look out for a woman of faith. In this story, it tells me that Jesus is my advocate. He'll stand in front of the judge God on my behalf. He's my natural advocate. I need, listen, I need no other person. It's nobody else's responsibility. God is my advocate. It tells me that I can feel at the mercy of wickedness and injustice. It tells me that no matter how great the situation, never give up, because she didn't. And it also tells me, stop appealing to the world, put your hope in God. And don't ever give in. I was talking to my son, my eldest son, yesterday. He's in northern Spain. He's in Spain. And he's walking the Camino walk, and he's got his daughter, H.A.V. with him. And that walk is 500 miles long. This is the second time he's done it. And he's going on this walk because this pilgrimage, he just wants to get near his daughter and wants to have time, special time with God, away from everything else. He's been locked up in South Africa. Lockdown, lockdown. Way over a year, he's just got back to France, and the first thing he's doing is going to renew his spirit. So he's going on a 500 mile walk. Now, put me on a 500 mile walk, I promise you that I will turn around after three hours and come home. He's going to do at least 35 days. He will do it, he will persist. Right now, it's pouring down with rain. And he will walk through the rain day after day. He will not give up. I've never met anyone like Richard, my son, you. I wouldn't want to cross Richard if I was a solicitor. When he gets all the utility people, you know, the, the eating and the electricity people, and all the utility, he will not let go. He will, I want to speak to you. Who, who's your boss? Put me on to the next level. I want to speak to your boss. I want to speak to you. 
in, I mean, if he insures people, whatever it is, when he takes them on, he takes them on. And I tell you, Richard is so persistent, he will go to the highest level, and he'll keep going and going and going and going. That's his nature. It's persistent to the end. This wonderful woman was so persistent with this church that this church eventually refused to see her, dismissed the case, and she kept coming back. And in the very end, she said, he said, for goodness sake, get rid of that woman. She is driving me mad. And the words he uses, tell her to stop bothering me. And that word bothering is a, is a fighting word. And it means, it means when you hit something, you give them a black eye. When you hit them square in the eye, you give them a black eye. It's a boxing term. This one's hitting me hard. I want rid of her. Do you remember Jacob wrestling an angel? Wrestling God? He was going to meet his brother. He was afraid of meeting his brother. When he had a vision and he was wrestling an angel, and it's more than a vision, it's a reality. And this angel came to him and started fighting. And Jacob's fighting him for one reason. I want you to bless me. I want you to bless me. And they wrestled because he knew that he had the power to bless Jacob. And Jacob wouldn't let him go. And he was holding on to him and fighting him. Would not let him go. And the man was trying to get away. And in the end, the man says this. Because you've persevered and would not let me go all night long, I'm going to call you Israel, the nation, and I will bless you. Because he persisted. What are you asking from God for your life? What are you asking from God for your family? What are you asking from God for this church? What are you asking from God for this city? What are you asking from God for your holy self? If it's in the will of God, be persistent. And I'm telling you this, that God is giving you the permission to actually wrestle with him, to fight with him, to pester him. He is not the wicked judge, as if you were fighting a wicked judge for justice. You can come to God for justice, and in his will, he has promised that he will give you what you're asking for. But be persistent. And being persistent is wholesome because it will fade out the stuff that isn't the will of God. It fades out the stuff that isn't beneficial to us. It will fade out the stuff that isn't rich. But when we travel through that and we're still persisting, God will come to you. Persistence breaks rule. And persistence is empowered in every believer by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are the Holy Spirit anointed, energized. Persistence. If you feel you have enough persistence, go back to God. Go back to God and ask Him to give you persistence, steadfastness, determination.
Amen. Amen. Father God, this morning, here we are as pilgrims, really, on our way and on this journey. Lord, really, truly, sometimes it's so tough and so hard. Sometimes we've been paid, praying for things for years and years and not seen them come about. Father, it seems as if it's going the other way. Also, we've been dismissed. As if our need isn't important. Father God, renew through your word this morning, power of your spirit, that sense of determination and persistence in our Christian walk as we go forward to never, 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 never give up. Regardless of our earthly station, we never give up because you've called us to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. Bless us this morning. Amen. In Jesus' name.